I think we need to prioritize making time for relationships in the same way that we prioritize things like brushing our teeth, washing our face. We don't just skip it and then say, yeah, at the end of the week, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that after COVID too, people really noticed it and the working from home shift and all that stuff. Whereas before you had a lot of um, work relationships, right? Welcome to the Level Up Growth Podcast, the podcast where you can learn ways to take your personal development and growth a step further so that you can be the person you want to be and have the life you want to have. I'm Grace, a naturopathic doctor. And I'm Kelsey, a registered clinical counselor. We've both been on and continue to be on our own personal growth journeys. And on this show, we'll explore a range of topics that we can all use to level up our minds, bodies, emotions, and spirit. So let's get started on today's episode. Welcome back to Level Up Growth with Kelsey and Grace. Thank you again for listening. I actually forgot that we were on a hiatus for a bit till I met with a friend and she was asking me how the podcast was going. And then I was like, oh yeah, because we still meet pretty much every week, everyone. Yeah. Like, even on that break, we still meet every week. So I just forget the, and Kelsey's the one that publishes them. So I just forget the publishing frequency. But yeah, now I feel like we're back in full force. We're not doing little clips of personal growth tips. And today we're going to be talking about loneliness. Yeah, one of those, hey, it's one of those existential crises we talked about. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go more in depth today. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it because you, I think I mentioned before, everyone knows I love Armchair Expert with Doug Shepard. (laughs) And they were talking about loneliness really briefly today and mostly in regards to just like, I mean, this is, people know this, right? Especially our audience. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter. I mean, finances are definitely a portion of it, but to a certain degree, like how much money you have, how many things you have, you can still be really unhappy if you don't have meaningful relationships in your life. And I think we need to prioritize making time for relationships in the same way that we prioritize things like brushing our teeth, washing our face. We don't just skip it and then say, yeah, at the end of the week, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that after COVID too, people really noticed it and the working from home shift and all that stuff. Whereas before you had a lot of um, work relationships, right? That kind of combat that loneliness. So even if you went home at the end of the day, you would have had a lot of interactions with people. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Now I'm thinking about it. It's going to keep rambling. Anyways, <laughs> I did this study with UBC earlier this year. And when you do it, it was a survey like study through a course of eight weeks, I believe. And they don't tell you what the hypothesis is, you know, like what the whole aim of the study is to do. But you would kind of, they'd ask you to guess it. Essentially what was asked was general questions every day that was saying, hey, how many interactions with different people did you have today? And you would categorize them as in close friends. So people that you share a lot of things with, blah, 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 acquaintances, and then strangers and kind of count those. And sometimes I would be like, wow, I literally interacted with one person today. Mm. (laughs) And an interaction counts as more than five minutes. So not just like, hi, hello, that's an interaction, but a certain amount of time is just like the 
arbitrary number that they assigned it. And I think that more out, like more often than not, people will not interact with people all day, especially if you work from home or even if you work in an office, like you're a contractor mm-hmm. like us. And if the clinic is not really open space, I've had a lot of colleagues say that they're literally just in their room all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I don't talk to my colleagues a lot. Like, I don't know. I had a high hello to one of the RMTs this morning and, and that was it so far. <laughs> Yeah, like literally just in passing, right? Things like that. So yeah, I thought it'd be a nice topic to talk about because I think that lots of people feel that way. I know that I feel lonely too sometimes and usually I will write about like why I feel lonely. And I think it's also, it can be feel embarrassing to say that mm. um, because it can feel like, oh, I have no one cares about me, but everyone else has people that care about them. That almost like borders onto like, towards shame from embarrassment right yeah if you, if you really believe that no one cares there's a lot of shame that comes with that thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I don't know what do you think about loneliness <laughs> yeah I mean okay first of all I'm curious about the the study that you did did you like when you're thinking back did you notice a difference on the for yourself on days that you interacted with more people than less people so they would ask that too so okay so I think I'll like really try and recall so they asked about your interactions they asked about mostly that number of interactions and then they would give you a task at the end of your survey and they would say okay tomorrow like this week's theme is acts of kindness so mm-hmm. one act of kindness whatever that looks like for you with a stranger and then you report back because you do the survey every day right and you're like describe what your act of kindness was did I notice anything from having more interactions than not I don't think I was mindful enough to know mm. this. I think that it was only when I was sitting down and doing the survey, which was usually at night before bed, I was like, oh, I literally didn't talk to anyone today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, and that was only in hindsight, right? I wouldn't really have noticed that, especially if it was one day in isolation. So perhaps mm. if it was consecutive days, I would have definitely noticed maybe a theme, but yeah. usually just with the way that my schedule is, it, it's not consecutive and it's like one day in isolation here and there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I have lots of thoughts about loneliness. So one, I definitely really struggle with loneliness. I've lived alone for long periods of time and it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy to live alone. I don't mind my own company. You know, I can keep myself entertained, but I noticed when I lived alone, I really made an effort to, especially when I moved away from where my social circle was, you know, across the country type thing, I really made an effort to schedule regular Zoom calls. So I'd have like two or three Zoom calls a week with friends. And then I'd talk to my mom every day and like those kinds of things, you know, kind of combat the loneliness. And then of course, making sure that I tried to have more interactions with coworkers and stuff, really focusing on that, you know, especially because I'm kind of thinking about when I moved to the greater Vancouver area and my, like I'm starting a new profession. I had big gaps in my schedule. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I had more time to just sit in the staff room and chat more with people. But that, I think that was really helpful. Those things were really helpful to combat loneliness. And even then I would kind of get, go through periods if I had several days in a row or like a week or something with very few interactions. I definitely, definitely struggled. And I, I still... Like I live with my partner now and I definitely do struggle with some loneliness if I'm alone for too long. Particularly if I'm not feeling well, and I can't necessarily like if I've opted out of things, which is fine because uh, sometimes we have to do that. But I definitely notice that like there is a limit that I hit where I'm like I cannot be alone anymore. I need at least one other person, 
around, which I'm sure sometimes is probably a bit annoying for my partner, <laughs> but you know, I'm not, I like, try to be respectful and we can have our own time and do our own things. But, but like, yeah, there's definitely a limit there where I'm like, okay, I am too lonely. I've tried all the things I can. I've, you know, gone for a walk. I've meditated. I played the piano. I've called my mom like, and now I still need more. So, and I think, I think for a lot of people, long bouts of loneliness can also lead to things like depression, right? Because we're meant to be social creatures. I think we've kind of talked about this before too, right? Where we need social interaction. That's how our species developed. That has not evolved out of us. If anything, that's kind of continued or even gotten stronger through evolution, right? My other thought was like, uh, I have been doing a lot of reading and studying about polyvagal theory. Hmm. which is really, really interesting theory of our nervous system having three branches instead of the two traditional ones that we hear about, which is sympathetic and parasympathetic. So we have sympathetic and then our parasympathetic is ventral vagal and dorsal vagal, dorsal being immobilized and collapsed and ventral being safe and connected. And typically when people spend more time in ventral connection, we want connection. We go, you know, hang out with people. We, you know, we can also have moments of solitude and stuff like that, which we still feel safe and connected in, but we are also just more likely to interact with others. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a different episode on polyvagal. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I think, yeah, we, I think we need to try to interview someone who's maybe a bit more of an expert than I am, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I just like, yeah. Read about it in as a lay person essentially, but anyways, yeah, I definitely agree that we are, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, is it a biased thought? Because I think that we are social creatures and that self-proclaimed introverts will say things, you know, not everyone, but will say things like, I just love being alone. It would be totally being alone. Okay. Being alone all the time, et cetera. And I'm just like, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) No, that's a lie. (laughs) But maybe that's true. I don't know. And then I really think relationships are important. And yeah, I would still label myself if I had to as an introvert, because I feel more recharged after solitary time, but it's not all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes personal growth can get a bad rap because I don't know if you think this, Kelsey, because I get this like, this like better than you vibe where it's like, oh, I'm on this personal growth journey or doing the work on myself. And therefore I have to cut off things that don't serve me in this journey. And so that usually means a lot of people, right. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of interactions. And it's funny because I just had a, a meet and greet with someone and this is that theme was very prevalent and I don't know if it's my own biases. Like I'm projecting onto people that say this, but it's yeah. like, oh no, why do people get stressed about things? Like, let's talk about diet, like nutrition, whatever. Yeah. Um, You're trying to lower your sugar intake, something super basic like that. And it's like events like Thanksgiving, Christmas. So I had mentioned in passing, you know, if you make any dietary changes, maybe Thanksgiving would, it'd be harder, but you know, like it's a social event. Flexibility is the goal. Yeah. And that was kind of met with, oh no, like I don't just say no. That's the key to being happier and not having this conflict about worrying about that you might mess up or like it will derail you from your goals. Again, like using this very narrow goal as an example right now. Yeah, just say no, like more people should say no. And I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah. But then you miss out on so many, you know, meaningful interactions and, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And it's not to say that if you, meet with people you have to partake in the exact same things they're doing no but it definitely adds to it in some capacity right right? 
Yeah. Anyways. And I do get that vibe that some people think that personal growth is a very lonely journey. Like not everyone wants to pursue that. So if you're one of those anomalies, which is insane (laughs) that want to, then, you know, it might be lonely because no one understands you. You're yeah. All that stuff, that narrative. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, with that, I think that you can find community within personal growth, hopefully just by listening to this podcast, like whoever you are, that's listening, you're not the only one. (laughs) We can see how many people listen every week. So we know there are people listening. So like, yeah, I can, I agree. It can can kind of feel lonely, especially, you know what? I I notice this a lot just when I'm working, like when I'm counseling, where one partner in a relationship is coming for counseling and they're part, they're saying, they're telling me that their partner isn't, and they feel like they're making a lot of steps and their partner isn't. And then there's that kind of disconnect or kind of perceived loneliness in that. Also, what I usually just say is like, remember everybody's on their own life journey, right? There is nothing better about doing growth or you know, work on yourself or in, in whatever capacity that is. It's just you, you're at the, the place where you can and want to make those changes, right? And so not everybody is. And sometimes there is a bit of a, a disconnect with that, especially if it's people in your life that, you know, don't quite understand or aren't ready to do those things or don't want to do those things, right? Personal growth is not important to everybody. Also remembering that, right? And so, yeah. And then it's also like what you said about introverts saying that they don't need connection. And I I agree. I think a lot of introverts do say that. But I also think that most of them, I mean, maybe like 2020, the pandemic aside, which even then, I think most people just in general were good about like hopping on Zoom and stuff like that with, you know, family and friends. Like most of them, if they actually had to go live, I think we talked about this before, like had to go live in a cabin in the woods for a year would actually not like that, right? Or not actually do as well as they think they would. And there is some research in this area. So like I pulled up one study from 2020 that was kind of looking at like personality characteristics. So that the article is called Social Emotional Loneliness in Extroverts and Introverts with Due Attention to the Role of Perceived Social Support. And basically what the study found is that relations with family, friends, and other meaningful people are essential for people health and lack of received supports can lead to loneliness regardless of your if you're an introvert or extrovert and so you so i mean it shows you do need social support right even if you are an introvert and that's just one example of an article that so this is studied yeah and so i think people inherently know that but it's almost like a prideful thing i'm i'm so independent and i'm like no you're not <laughs> like just yeah I mean even if you are independent we need interdependence sometimes right Or like you you can't do everything by yourself Mm -hmm. yeah so how do we distinguish between being okay being alone Mm -hmm. and you know like being perfectly yeah okay with that versus not being okay being alone versus like loneliness itself yeah hold on I'm gonna try to find something in a book that I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Polyvagal Exercises for Safety and Connection, 50 Client Center Practices by Deb Dana. And there is some, I mean, there's exercises and, and talk about the idea of solitude versus loneliness, right? And I think this is maybe mm-hmm. where like wanting solitude and solitude is a ventral vagal practice. So you feel safe mm-hmm. and connected in solitude. And so sometimes I think maybe introverts need more solitude than extroverts would like not be a surprising finding. I'm sure we can find 
journal articles that support that but also mm-hmm. just noticing that again solitude you can't just have that only like there's mm-hmm. again whole theories about this but what it says in the book is distinct from loneliness which has been shown to have mul- a multitude of negative negative physical and psychological outcomes entering into moments of solitude has positive benefits for well-being practicing a moment of solitude is an autonomic exercise that creates the, an experience of feeling centered and peaceful mm. So how does someone distinguish that mm-hmm. like on your own? Okay. So, I mean, we could use a lot of polyvagal exercises, I think, <laughs> for that. But first of all, I think just noticing what your body, so polyvagal somatic. So noticing what your mm-hmm. body feels like in different states. So our body's going to feel something different in a ventral connected state versus a sympathetic fight and flight versus an immobilized collapse. So I had to do... I had to do exercise for my therapy as well, that I'm just going to give examples. So when I'm in a ventral vagal state, I tend to feel calm, grounded, present, light, energized, and I'm more talkative. Right? Mm-hmm. If I'm in a sympathetic state, I typically feel a butterfly shaking, an urge to run, an urge to argue, an increased heart rate, and like more energized in general. If I'm in a dorsal vagal state, then I'm frozen. I have a decreased heart rate, heavy, limp shallow breathing, feel like I can't move, sometimes crying. So those kinds of things, right? And so loneliness would be more associated with that dorsal vagal, immobilized, maybe some sympathetic activation if you're worried about other people, but kind of those two, I guess, lower states in the hierarchy. Whereas ventral solitude would be more that, that those like lighter, and it, again, everybody's body feels different, but like kind of a more calm, light, grounded type state. So I think really noticing what your body feels like can differentiate that for you. Right. Yeah. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. Because the the activity is the same, but how you're sitting in it can be so different. But someone on the outside watching, they'd be like, oh, they're just sitting on their couch still. (laughs) Sure. If I'm sitting on my couch because I'm lonely and I'm trying to watch TV to numb that loneliness versus if I'm sitting on the couch and meditating, right? Yeah. It probably does. It probably looks similar in some ways, but yeah, it feels very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So then how, because like if someone's not able to cultivate solitude, like have those ventral vagal feelings when they're alone to begin with, most, what if they're always surrounded by people and then every night when they go home, it's like, oftentimes people will feel anxious before bed because that's when it's quiet, you know, like you're all in your head, all in your thoughts. So how do we combat those things or tools that we can use? Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think like, personally, I'm really into these polyvagal practices right now. <laughs> so, I can tell. Yeah, no, that's great. So there, I mean, there definitely are practices that I would say, like, obviously, if you can utilize a counselor who's, you know, understanding of polyvagal theory and somatic therapies would be helpful to be able to do that. I think on your own, just again, noticing like what, what your eventual, so what did your state feel like when you're with people? Cause you're probably, if that's what you like to, if you're an extrovert and you like to be with people, right? You're probably in that ventral vagal state. What does that feel like? And then thinking about what are some things that you could do on your own that would give you that same thing, right? So again, like examples for me would be things like meditating or playing my piano or going for a walk, like alone, but still bring that state alive for me or sitting by the ocean, those kinds of things. Are there places you can go, things you can do that are alone 
but don't make you feel lonely. Make you feel like, oh, this is nice. Like I feel, still feel safe and connected. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think like for what you kind of touched out, touched on already for me I like feeling connected to nature so being outside so Mm -hmm. I still feel connected maybe it's not to people per se but Mm -hmm. being outside makes you feel so small me so small and insignificant so I'm like (laughs) I'm so small and insignificant it's not so cool right and so I still feel connected but it's not to people per se in a direct way it's more to like people because we're all able to go outside like experience this we're all living in this same environment it's not so cool so yeah you can feel connected but it doesn't have to be to other people or to be a human relationship mm-hmm. yeah I like nature too there, there's this concept of forest bathing I think originally from Japan yeah. yeah where the idea is just to go in the forest and be with nature maybe hugging a tree kind of being mindful of your environment and and disconnecting from the tech from technology like you typically wouldn't bring your phone with you or you turn it off right and just Mm -hmm. be with nature and that is a feeling of connection Mm -hmm. and like I also just speaking from my own experience I like being in my body so like using it in an active way Mm. allows me to feel connected I'm like wow my heart is working so hard everyone (laughs) and it just it makes me feel very present I guess mm-hmm. that's really what it is. It's mindfulness, but in a way that's just a bit different, right? So I can feel present when I'm sitting in the chair like I am now, my like bottom, my weight on the chair, blah, blah, blah. But when I'm moving, it's just a more intense presentness. I have to be present mm-hmm. almost because it's just so engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's lots of lots of ways to cultivate the that the idea of solitude. It's just, but it's very individual, right? What we each like mm. is going to be very different. So mm-hmm. I think that sometimes having to experiment with some of the things are is helpful. Yeah, yeah, and then finding ways to feel comfortable on your own. And if the feelings are really overwhelming and uncomfortable, it's maybe a good opportunity to explore that too. Hmm. Yeah. And then again, on the flip side, we, we are more social creatures typically. So you can't just have solitude forever without it ever turning into loneliness. So if you are kind of more on the introverted side, then just making the effort to have maybe even if it's just like one interaction during the day, right? Where you do talk to someone for five minutes or more. And it can be a friend, a family member, a stranger, the person at the checkout at, you know, like ringing you through your groceries. I've worked a lots of customer service jobs and sometimes people will just stand there and tell me about their whole life story. And I think <laughs> it's just because they, they want connection, right? They're mm-hmm. like, maybe they have been alone for a while. And especially like mm-hmm. I, I found a lot older people would do that often. Because they're, mm-hmm. I think, really, like, in retrospect, just really looking for connection. And I would just stand there and listen and kind of nod and smile and, you know, offer my two cents if if it needed. And and I think that was good for, for everybody. Yeah, I agree. I A lot of older people will do that. It's very noticeable. And that's great. I have people, patients that will come <laughs> 45 minutes early to an appointment just to sit and talk to people, like, at mm-hmm. the office. And it's great because everyone loves them. They're like, wow, this person's so friendly because usually no one talks to anyone, right? When you sit there, the older people. Yeah. I was going to say something else about that. Oh, this is a complete tangent, but I think that everyone should work in hospitality at least Mm. at some point in their lives because it 
like, I just think it's so, uh, you have so much more empathy for service workers, whether that be a cashier at the same on foods, um, or the coffee shop barista or the cashier, the co- you know, things like that. You just have so much more empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, 100% agree. Yeah. Everyone must work a hospitality job at some point for like a long ish, like a year ish, maybe of their life because they'll have a better understanding and just be nicer when you go out, like have more patience, all of those things. Yeah. I can tell you from experience, it doesn't feel good when a customer is yelling at you for something very small that you could totally help with and doesn't require any yelling. And 99% Mm -hmm. of the time when someone's yelling at a customer service worker, that is exactly what's happening. Like there, this is such an easy fix or if it's not an easy fix, it's not that they don't want to help you. It's like sometimes they they can only do so much and maybe they have to get support or there's things happening higher up in the, the chain of command, right? But yelling, never very helpful, kind of dysregulates, keeps you dysregulated as the mm-hmm. person yelling and dysregulates the, the, the customer service worker who probably makes minimum wage or not much more. And even if they're the manager, honestly, they're still not making a ton of money and as a human being, don't deserve to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. And this conflict is way above their pay grade. Mm-hmm. They should not have to deal with this. It's usually what I think. I'm like, just ignore it. You're mm-hmm. not being paid enough to deal with this. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, if you are someone who yells at customer service workers, I think that would be a time to step back and reflect on why. What is happening within yeah. you that is causing you to take it out on another person? Because I'm also going to guess if you're taking out a customer service worker, you're also taking out on people that you care about. Yeah, yeah. Or you just don't see those people as people, which is super Mm -hmm. common too, right? And so sad. So I'm like, you have to work this job. (laughs) Like you have to be paid 10 bucks an hour to smell like food all the time (laughs) and be treated like shit. (laughs) I I love this tangent. I think it was a really good tangent. Um, And again, it kind of goes back to the idea of connection in general, right? We want to connect. We want to connect in that ventral vagal state. We want to connect when we you know, feel safe and connected. And if suddenly you don't feel safe and connected, any interaction you have are going to be very dysregulated and not great for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Rowan, I think that's kind of all of our thoughts on loneliness. Hopefully yeah. that gave you a few tools to kind of reflect on your own loneliness versus solitude. And yeah, that it was helpful or even just fun to listen to. Yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Make sure to connect with us on social media with your takeaways from the show, any questions you may have, and let us know what topics you're interested in. Your support means so much to us, so please subscribe to the show, rate, and review if you enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week on Level Up Growth.